This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Pan's Pantry, now under new management. Beppo got tangled up with the Gumby gang and was deported back to Italy. Now it's Pan's Pantry, the only place in Maryland for a decent cup of coffee. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about are we being served? Hello, Gladys. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Jeffrey. Hello, Hello, Unanimous. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing quite well this evening. How about yourself? (sighs) It's a little hot. It's hot in the Northern Hemisphere. What else to say? It's hot in Northern Mississippi is where it's It's hot. It's hotter than a something in a something in Northern (laughs) Mississippi, man. Well, Gladys here is a little sad. Mr. Jeff and unanimous. We're all a little sad in the unanimous. Yeah, because we all learned, um, was it last week or maybe a couple of weeks ago, that one of a certain population's favorite uh, Are Being Served character passed away. The actress, Candy Davis, passed, and she was not an old woman, sadly, like most no, of the actors on the show. No, Candy Davis passed away on July 27th at the young age of 59. Mm. Um, she was born uh, Claire Damaris Baston and was later known as Beatrice Clark Dunkel and wrote under the pseudonym Mo Hader. So she's had a lot of uh, names that she went by in her life. Yeah. And most recently, you know, obviously on our show, she played Miss Belfridge. Um, and then she went on to teach English in Tokyo and later became a best-selling author of the Jack Caffrey series. Yeah, um, I kept noticing uh, on Twitter, I noticed um, Mo Hader, like if you look up her um, pen name, her authorship on Amazon, she was like a huge author. I think it's like mystery. She had, she had like a, a dozen number ones. Yeah, yeah, like she was like a very accomplished. And it's very interesting because in um, Are You Being Served, Candy Davis, uh, her screen name there, um, was kind of like airheady and kind of, you know, not the smartest person, but like the actress. Right. Was one of the jokes in this episode is that Miss um, Belfridge has an O level in literature. Yeah, and we'll, which is we'll, not expected. We'll learn right? what the which hell we'll that means. We'll get to. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. So uh, rest in peace, Candy Davis, aka Claire Dunkel, uh, aka Mo Hader, and she was like she taught English in Tokyo. Um, she was Miss Nude UK in 1981. And then apparently yep. Jeremy Lloyd had a thing for the Page Three Girls, of which she was. Well, that's one. how she got her start—a Page Three Girl in the Sun. Yeah. yeah. So then she um, she kind of distanced herself from that side of her career when she was a young woman, and you know, smart move. Dived uh, died at fifty nine, so it's sad for her. But um, yeah. Anyway, sad. sad. And and her, her only daughter actually predeceased her at like age twenty something from some oh, disease. She- so she's. Had lots of tragedy. It's in weird her life, to also but. have like actors who are still alive from the show because it was so long ago and they were all sort of older. But she must right. have been a baby back then. She must have been like nineteen, like just twenty one. Yeah, barely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a sad thing. But you know who else wrote something? Is we got a fabulous five star review <gasps> on Apple Podcasts. Yes. So love, excited. love, love the show. Love all the current events of the time and learning about uniquely British background bits from the show. Thank you, anonymous user. Yeah, and the the user's name on... So this is an Apple Podcast five-star review. Thank you. Thank you. And her name, his name was 
five-star review smiley face. So <laughs> thank you, five-star review for smiley face. So that's cool. Yeah. We also want to thank all of our new Facebook fans, Marilyn, Gregory, Andrew, David, Kevin, Heather, Glenn, Julie, Simon, Richard, Amber, Arvid, Emily, and David. Take a breath. Thank Mr. you very Jeff. much. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, we heard from super fans Ian and Gary. Uh, uh, with a couple of corrections yeah. to some errata we committed. We are, we are uh, not infallible, episode. sadly, unanimous. Uh, last episode was uh, Memories Are Made of This, not the Arrhythmic song, um, right. or Marilyn Manson. Um, dating myself there. So uh, in that episode, um, Mrs. Slocum at the canteen table, she says, I want the riddle. And then Captain Peacock looks askance and he's like, uh, uh, uh. we thought that he meant, or he thought that, um, uh, we thought he thought she wanted something, her hair breathed. something like that. Yeah. Right. But um, um, the, the unanimous, the good unanimous people corrected our mistake. And that's Cockney rhyming slang riddle to piddle. Ah, she wanted to spend a penny. Yes. Got it. Or a farthing okay. or whatever. Who knows? But <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so thanks for that. Um, we do, you know, Cockney rhyming slang is so non-natural for Americans because we never yeah. hear it. That No. Yeah, it's one of the cool things about the show. People, people love the fact that we explain It's one those of the crazy first things. things that people tell us yeah. is that they love understanding the Cockney rhyming slang that they've never really gotten uh, throughout watching the show. So th- th- that, that's why we do it, folks. Um, yeah. We also heard from Marsha, who gave us a little bit more about pineapples. Uh, we also talked about an upside-down pineapple in your shopping cart being uh, a key that you're a swinger. <laughs> yes. And we were wondering why if not? all of those corporations that have pineapples in their logos were really secretly for swingers. Uh, turns out that... They're a symbol of hospitality and wealth. And that makes perfect sense. Because I remember being a kid, and whenever someone would go on vacation to Hawaii, that was a big deal, right? Because Hawaii was very far away. Mm, Plane tickets were very expensive. And they would bring back pineapples. Now, it's not like our local grocery store never had pineapples. What is this crazy fruit? But but getting them from someone who went to Hawaii was was like a standard thing. And why did they bring a pineapple back? It was a joke because the fruit was referring oh. to you, and then you had a pot. And it, anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, you, that, you tried so I hard tried. with that setup, it just Mr. didn't. Brandon, it right? didn't. Like a foul ball. Yeah. Oh. But you did get a lot of good um, feedback on your summer plans, the Delta variant <laughs> meme. Well, with Hugger Humphreys. I don't know if it was good response, but since I made it, I'm proud of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know the the meme going around um, summer plans, and there's like a photo of someone like from a TV show or a band or something, and then there's another photo of some like uh, plot or like if I've seen one of the Beatles, my summer plans, the Beatles, and then Delta Yoko Ono, which I love Yoko Ono <laughs> so bad, but uh, I made one of Mr. Humphrey's summer plans, and it's him at doing. Um, ballet the thing, ballet of the toys, ballet of the toys yep. yeah, where he's wearing his little outfit and he's looking all happy. And then the delt is him in the headlock by um, the the, uh, the the wrestling episode, and it was kind of cute. But so everyone liked it, I think. Everyone check it out on Twitter. Eh, yeah, um, while you're doing that, please remember to wear a mask, wash your hands, and as always, Black Lives, Black Lives Matter. Matter. And we have a special. Mr. Brandon, I get I get the feeling that we're not alone on this episode. Is that right? Do you feel something else? It's one of these things about? where, you know, like how Peter Pan has Tinkerbell, you know, like uh-huh. when you clap your hands and you believe. 
we were clapping our hands earlier, unanimous, and we believed, and we had a knock on the re recording studio door here at the Natasuk Madam Compound here in North Mississippi. We answered the door. Lo and behold, Mr. Jeffrey was at the door. So we would Woo! like to welcome Mr. Jeffrey. We believe, Mr. Jeffrey. Oh, thanks, guys. Mr. Jeffrey, are you free? Are you free? I'm free. Oh, you did <laughs> yeah. it. It's a little flat. Well done. We'll Thank you. It wasn't my best trill, but maybe I'll get the opportunity <laughs> to do it again at some point in the episode. Yeah. So what brings you to northern Mississippi, to the compound? Well, I am actually in town very briefly. I'm helping to construct the Jewish Community Center. Uh, <laughs> There was not one in town, I was told, um, or indeed anywhere nearby. Not largely due to the fact, in northern Mississippi. Yeah, you know. not a lot of not a lot of Jews. So I've brought some of them with me as well. So we're gonna we're gonna start a kibbutz. I Mr. Love it. Goldberg, thanks you. It's yes. my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, super fan, Mr. Jeffrey. And uh, we have had an interaction in the past. Have we not, Mr. Jeffrey? We've talked about you on the podcast before. Oh, well, sure. So, yeah. You're well, so, a super fan. Yeah, you, well, I've called and I've, I've, uh, I've left some messages at the call center there. Voicemails. Very yeah, nice. Regarding, Thank you for I, those. I, I called about knocking you up. Uh, not to offer to do so, How but to explain. Oh, you mean the app? Right. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, okay. that's yeah, it. Yeah. But you also shared with us um, a while back about a special project you were working on that yes. everyone should be very excited. And we shall book the person helping you with this at the next That, that Does It Madam, Madam Con convention at the booth. So we'll, we'll give her a special deal. So yeah. can you share with the crowd what I'm talking about? Well, so in the uh, episode in which we bid adieu to Mr. Lucas, um, they're oh. doing the Punch and Judy show, uh, as you guys mm -hmm. remember, and uh, uh, Mr. Humphreys is just wearing the most spectacular uh, sweater vest, I would call it. Perhaps it's a knit waistcoat in, in, oh. in England. I don't know. Oh, love it. Uh, love who's, it. Who could say? Or a, a jumper of some kind? I don't know. But in any event, um, it's just, it's so colorful and it's got WC on the front and then Humphreys on the back. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've got a friend uh, who knits and she's quite talented. Um, but she's, she's taking her sweet time, I'll tell you. Um, but she's, <laughs> uh, she's custom making me that, that, that uh, waistcoat. That yeah. is so cool like i'm so jealous and uh, of course we would love to see photos and if she's listening um put some speed on that will you because we yeah. all want to order one yeah oh we want to see what it looks get like get the let out miranda jeez <laughs> poor miranda we're badgering a stranger we don't even know but oh yeah, she's been my up. friend for 20 years it's fine Okay. He said we can badger you. But badger. that's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I don't know where the hell I'm going to wear it. I mean, it's really a statement piece, but, uh, you know. Well, to Madame Con, too, obviously. Obviously, there. That goes without You saying. have to pass the background test, and sadly, it's rather stringent. So I hope you haven't, like, have any parking tickets or anything. No, I don't think we're going to need the background test. I'll save you the time. I'm not, not going to qualify. <laughs> that's just... <laughs> Save the yeah. dime, okay? Don't make uh, the call. Christopher and uh, yeah, it, it was it was a it was a very small convention, but you know I have to say it was uh, literally pouring and raining the entire time. So yeah, not good to have an outdoor event when it's but perhaps good lightning. luck, like at a wedding, maybe. Um, no, no. <laughs> sure. Just trying to put a silver lining on it. Gee yeah, whiz. We, 
<laughs> yeah. So, so, Mr. Brandon, what have we invited uh, Mr. Jeffrey here to talk about? Well, today? you know, it, this isn't just a social podcast. We know the unanimous come and listen religiously almost. Uh, are we forming a cult? Almost, ladies and gentlemen. Almost unanimous, but not quite. Instead, we're here to talk about Are You Being Served? This episode is Calling All Customers. Oh my gosh, this is probably. I watched it today for the first time in years. And I burst out laughing like five or six times. Like, it doesn't happen often when I watch these shows because I'm like thinking about the podcast. What am I going to say? Da da da. And bursting out laughing. Like, no, so it's definitely funny. one of my favorites, too. And you know why? Because yeah. <clears throat> so much happens. Like, it's such a dynamic episode. Yeah. It's just yeah. different. I mean, not different sets, really. They're all the same sets that we're used to, but done differently, you know, and, yep. uh, and mm. it's, it's neat to see that. So, uh, yeah. can you tell us a bit about the episode, Mr. Jeffrey? This is Series 9, Episode 4, Calling All Customers, which originally premiered on May 13th, 1983. And that week in the news, at the top of the Billboard 100 chart, yet again, is Beat It by Michael Jackson. Never heard of him. No comment. So weird. I actually huh. saw him live. Did you really? Yeah, I was at the Universal Amphitheater, which no longer exists, sadly, but it was the bad tour. And, okay. uh, and uh, I guess I'm dating myself there, but I was only like three and a half or four. Um, but yeah, we did get to go see him live, which used to be something I bragged about more often than I do now. Yeah, yeah I used to brag the fact yeah. that I drove past Neverland Ranch when I was driving around in yeah. Neverworld, <laughs> yeah, It's not a name and we like to drop really anymore. Yeah. anymore. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's a pretty place, <laughs> but you know, yeah. Yeah. Neat clock. <laughs> Neat clock. <laughs> what else was going on, Mr. Je- and by the way, I'm realizing both of you are call Mr. Jeffrey. So um, you have to call me Mr. Jeff. I don't. Okay, I'll try. I'll try to remember it. We'll, we'll try. So okay. what else was going on, Mr. Jeff? And at the top of the UK singles chart, also again, same as last week, was True by Spandau Ballet. Oh, that's, that's a good a one. Good one for true. Karaoke, as I said last time. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. This much is true. Let's make it into a karaoke podcast. Do, do, do. Isn't okay, Spando Ballet such a great uh, band name, too? Like, I don't know what the hell it means, but it's just so, like, lyric. It's like a Samuel Taylor Coleridge poem or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what the name means. Like, I, I always know. assumed it was something German-like. Spandau seems like a German name. Maybe somewhere. it has something to do with Martin Landau. I want my brain went to like spandex. I thought it would be like perhaps the outfits that these ballet dancers would have to be wearing would be these spandau outfits. That was the other name that the marketing team was trying to think, but they decided to use spandex instead because spandau didn't. And you know. and history was made. Yeah, there we go. Any questions? Just <laughs> ask me, and I'll I'll tell you. <laughs> Whether uh, the answers will be true or not, we can't say. I'll but they will be answer. supplied. Yeah, we'll tell you something. <laughs> what else is going on, Mr. Jeff? Chinese American architect I.M. Pei was awarded the Pritzker Architecture Prize in New York. Oh. Uh, you probably know I.M. Pei for um, renovating the Louvre in the early 80s, and he's the one who built the big glass pyramid oh. right out in front. Mm-hmm. The one that kind of almost touches but doesn't and... Well, yeah, there's the inverted uh, pyramid inside, but I believe Mr. Jeff is referring to the very large glass pyramid that you enter the Louvre through. Outside. Yeah. The, yeah. Which, if we look down the freeway from our um, centrally located <laughs> uh, northern Mississippi compound, you can see the beautiful Memphis pyramid right by the bridge that now is working again. So oh, a little, little local history there, folks. <laughs> 
So. Way to tie it all together. I, I do my best. So, okay, so we have the episode. We're back in season nine. We're not in season ten. We skipped around a little bit. We didn't get any negative feedback, so thank you for bearing with this unanimous. Uh, but let's get into the episode. What happens? All right. So it's first thing in the morning, and they're having one of their famous think tank meetings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Mr. Humphreys and Mrs. Slocum are late. Turns out they went to a fancy dress party last night, and uh, there's a bit of banter with Mr. Harmon, who's setting up the chairs. By the way, did you notice the um, the chair that he set for Mr. Rumbold? It's supposed to be better and different, like a special chair. Because that's what they but have to just, do, right? Right. But <laughs> it looks like a regular dining room chair, and everyone else gets folding chairs. Like, oh. how bad has the budget gotten at Grace Brothers? Right, it's not, like, it's, it's not like he went and got a nice chair. He actually went out of his way to go find a bunch of lousy chairs. Right. Yes. If this is mine, you all have to have worse chairs right. than right. mine. We have to go find something really crappy for you. I brought this from We're going to get you, like, some straw to sit on the floor with. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. To, uh, toying with their toying with their and their jibos. <laughs> and their jibos. Oh, my God. Toying but you know, knows cause... what that means. Mm. So on cue, the lift, uh, the bell rings and the lift doors open, and Mr. Humphreys and Mrs. Slocum come out dressed like punks. Mr. Humphreys has got a purple, green, and pink mohawk, face piercings, a black furry string vest, and red plaid pants. Not only that, but he has like these cool chains around his waist and his crotch so that he yep. can't really walk. He just kind of waddles like a duck. <laughs> and <laughs> Which is so love- cute. Don't you love the electrical tape tic-tac-toe that he's got on his face, too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he has, like, his, bu- his, his left eye underlined. And what else? Oh, he has, like, fake eye, uh, like drawn fake eyebrows. on eyebrows. Yeah. It looks yeah. like a comic book or something. It's like a weird like, hybrid yeah. of new wave and punk. Like, what somebody who clearly yeah. doesn't know what either of those things are was sent <laughs> to the shop and said, yeah, yeah. Th- this'll do. Right. Get something that looks like those kids who are hanging out down the street. Right, right. But right. zhuzh it up a little bit, will ya? Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Slocum is wearing a rainbow wig with Liberty Spikes, uh, a latex top, and a leopard miniskirt. Whoa. Which is unusual for her. It is, it is, Mr. <laughs> Jeff. Yes, yes. Um... I think, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. The fact that they come out of the, the lift on cue, as, as always, like it's such a comedy thing. But the fact that they just walk around like it's not a big deal. Like they're not embarrassed. Right. Like it's, oh, I'm just wearing this outfit. Like, you know. And then, of course, it was interesting because Mr. Humphreys always has like one of these wild tales. And but this time, like Mrs. Slocum joined him. I think this is the first right, time we've she ever was seen. Involved. Yeah, like he's like, oh, I was I was up by Barnsey, and then I was took the 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 river back home, and I had you know seaweed coming off me. But now Mrs. Slocum is like his collaborator, which was the first time this has ever happened. Completely kind of eliminating the need for a Pakistani nun <laughs> or a boy B U O Y a boy. Yeah. <laughs> Or a dustman with a very interesting tale. Very interesting tale to tell. A string vestite. They were at um, they were at some fancy dress party and they went through an ordeal. They like missed the last bus and they couldn't get home. And uh, we get the story about how Mr. Humphreys tried to track the attention of a policeman and end up inadvertently robbing someone. Right? <laughs> yeah, because he um, looks so intimidating, Mr. Humphreys, with his punk outfit. Right. <laughs> what, so, so what do we know about the punk movement? About the punk subculture? Only from this episode. That's my only involvement. That's the only in my life. Your only reference. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I was very much not 
uh, into like fringe culture, which I guess is something that one might term punk to be. But isn't it essentially like counterculture? Um, that's yeah, my very yeah. general and vague understanding <laughs> of it. It's kind of like, you know, fuck the man and, you know, that kind of thing. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it is, right? So the word punk originally meant someone who was a novice. And so this was directed at the rock and roll singers who were not trained or do not sound like they were trained, but might have had like a slightly off-pitched voice or maybe not the best uh, elocution, right? Mm. Um, and so it started with bands like the New York Dolls and the Sex Pistols and the Ramones in 1975. Hmm. And the manager of the New York Dolls left the music business to go work for Vivian Westwood. The fashion designer. brought with him, mm. the fashion designer, mm. breaking out the Westwood, and brought <laughs> with him a lot of the uh, f- uh, fashion references from this uh, cul- punk uh, culture sub-movement. And Vivian Westwood took off with that. And she's very famous for the latter half of the 70s and the early 80s being involved in bringing that kind of aesthetic to couture. Yeah, she does yeah, a pair he- of boots, doesn't she, that's two different plaids, right? She's kind of famous for yep. those. Yeah, if you exactly. ever see um, Absolutely Fabulous, which a lot of the unanimous probably loves, because there's a big Venn diagram overlap of that with our show. Yep. It's um, a perfect circle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gay man, Vivian Westwood, Ivan Served, and Absolutely Fabulous. La Croix. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, but, yeah, a lot of times whenever she's doing, like, a couple of episodes of characters, they do, like, a punk look. And it's all Vivian Westwood. Um, yes. But yeah, she's she's pretty cool, Vivian Westwood. Um, but it's interesting to go back to what you said about Jeff, um, punk meaning untrained or like unskilled, unknowledgeable. Yep. I can imagine like if you're in the early days of rock and roll, right? If you were um, like a big band leader, mm-hmm. you were probably trained, and like your 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 father taught you how to play the guitar or the piano, like Liberace or whatever. But then, like, rock and roll dude, like, Chuck Berry came out, and he probably wasn't classically trained, but he had this new thing that, like, the young folks liked more than, like, big band stuff. So I I wonder if, like, the word punk came from that community. I don't know. It's an interesting question. You know, because, like, they would kind of not appreciate, like, these new young kids coming in and, like, with their electric guitars and... Right, but if you think about... If you think about the beginnings of rock and roll in the 50s and 60s... Though they were all musicians, they could play their instruments well, and they could sing well, they could carry a tune. But if you think about the beginning of the punk movement, something's always a little off on purpose. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. there's There's some screaming involved rather than singing, or the guitar might be slightly out of tune, or it might not be played uh, uh, meticulously correctly where you're not strumming all of the chord, right? I think that's what it referred to. Is like these people are amateurs that are trying to make themselves sound like they should rate with the professionals. And that's like how that kind of took off. And even just thinking of the word punk, it's very punk to think I'm not even going to try to sound the best I can because yeah. that's conforming and I'm anti-conformist or something. Right. I feel like I should get a multicolored wig and, and a tic-tac-toe thing for my, for my cheek now. <laughs> um, what is Mr. Humphreys carrying in his arm? It looks like a concertina at some point. I'm like, but that doesn't make any sense. What is he doing? As if the real thing that he is carrying does make yeah, any like sense. Yeah, like why? Okay, so yeah, so he's carrying a CB radio, which is kind of a big deal for this episode. 
Um, I'm trying to suspend disbelief because I know it's a, it's a TV show. You know, they, they couldn't take the bus and they were late and we're out at a punk fancy dress party carrying a giant like suitcase size CB radio inexplicably. I, of course, I realize that it's just a plot device like, oh, make them carry a CB radio, then the, the script will work. Okay, sure, let's go home, you know. Right. Well, I think but, they, they explained it by saying they were worried it would get stolen if they left it in the car. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's a big, there is a huge market for secondhand CB radios. You know, in 1983 a, London, maybe. One of the maybe. greatest imports or exports <laughs> out of Ipswich. Yeah. It, well, it's interesting <laughs> you say that because I did some research on um, CB radios. And um, at the time, uh, I don't remember the year, but CB radios imported from the States were illegal in the UK. And if you know anything about <gasps> the, I know, gasp. If you know, like, TV licenses in the UK for Americans were like, what? Oh, what is that? You mean you have to pay a license to have your TV turned on? Uh, what? So here in the States, we have PBS, and that is tax paid, right? The, the federal yeah. government subsidizes, like, 60%, 50% of their, of their uh, bills by using federal taxes, and we all pay that. So then also, if you're a fan of Are You Being Served in the States, you know that Watching it on PBS originally, you have those goddamn fundraisers, um, like every six months. Pledge drives. Pledge drives thank yeah. you. And that's where you get the fun little tote bags and shit. So like you, you donate, and that's how they they pay for their programming. Over in the UK, they um, they don't do anything like that. The BBC and everything is paid by a TV license. So if you plug in your TV to electricity and you get in something over the airwaves. You're supposed to pay the government a TV license. It's not a lot. Maybe you know, Jeff, but it's like maybe... It's about 140 pounds a year. Oh, see, that's higher than I thought. I mean, that's kind yeah. of a significant amount. And it's weird to, like, plug in your... It's like, what if you had to play, pay a toaster license? And every time you toasted your bread, you'd have to, like, <laughs> it's what a quarter make sure in. you have... So the thing is, if you have a TV using the antenna or an aerial over there, that's when you have to have a license. If you just watch DVDs you do not have to have because you're not watching the BBC. Right. So he would have people knock on his door, send threatening letters all the time because he never paid his TV license. So right. it's a big deal. But um, he said, like, if someone knocks on the door, I always like to make sure that I, I can easily turn my TV around because if, if they see that your antenna is connected, like, you get a giant fine. Yeah. So anyway, blah, 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 blah TV license. So that... Seems Over to be easier there, just to pay the tax. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's money. I it's principle. It's, yeah. a, it's a principle. <laughs> but over there, like the idea of if you use the airways, you have to pay for it for TV or radio. Yeah, right. and we don't really have that concept. So over there, in the, like in the, I think the early '80s, they didn't allow CB radios because you'd have to. Use there's like we don't have the infrastructure for the, the light. Uh, no. But they would import them illegally from the U.S. because this is before the internet. This is before, like, a lot of stuff. So there was a definite need for CB radios. 
No, they're really so, fun. Have you guys ever used them before? Used one before? I've never used one, no. My so grandfather my, had one ages ago. My grandpa had one, too. Yeah, yeah he right. had one in his office, and my brother and I used to go and talk to truckers. It was very reminiscent of what happened in this episode. Like, the first time I saw break it, I was up, like... Break up, break up. <laughs> that's exactly what I sounded like. I was six and a half I, years I old, and I was did. telling them all about my pussy. Um, <laughs> I do a um, bit of God. I made my own marmalade at seven years old. <laughs> oh, Bonnie. Oh, Bonnie. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, so in case you don't know, CB, like, it's like a, it's almost like a giant walkie-talkie. Yeah, we, we know walkie-talkies. Um, mm. And it's interesting because I did all this research. The channel, there were like 40 channels. And one would be for like the police and da da So like the ones no one was using, you could use for CB radios. So you would all be tuned to like channel nine or whatever, right? And only one person can speak. It's like you're all on the same t- telephone call almost. So if you're yeah. all, like if 20 people were on the same phone call, you would have to speak and then say something to say, okay, I'm done speaking. Someone else can speak. And that's where you get the term blah, 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 blah over Meaning, my time mm. I'm speaking is over. Someone else can speak. So the, that's what you'll hear that on the episode. Over. You know. <laughs> Although they didn't really do it like you should. But um, I also researched that it became really popular in the 70s in the States because um, solid state transistors came out. And it basically, like, electronics got cheap and, re- and, and reliable mm. and, you know, durable. So it got, like, it was a fad. Uh, and it kind of went away with the internet, of course. But um, the first lady, Betty Ford, had her own CB in the White House, which is kind of cool. Her Whoa. handle, what her little screen name, essentially, was First Mama. <laughs> which is cute That's because great. it's sort of like a trucker thing. Like, right. you know, so what yeah, sort of, of unsavory course... activities do you think Betty Ford was getting up to on a CB radio? Well, hello. She ended up in the clinic. Exactly. I mean, that probably she was making some connections, you know, Hey, drive that truck through, drive it through DC. I'll is, meet you. you. You're carrying vodka on that. Are you coming from <laughs> Columbia? <laughs> Bless you, Ms. Ford. We were sorry. We're making one. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's, that's CBs. It's kind of cool. Cause like a lot of truckers used it. And I apparently, they still do like you could still do cb radio i'm thinking that's an untapped podcast market jeff we were talking about on the last episode (laughs) surprisingly enough that it did not make a resurgence during the pandemic if that would have been a great way to keep in touch with people while we're at home uh and i think that we were were, we were asking ourselves if you still needed a license to operate one but i don't think you do anymore. no no it's been i mean no one uses it and of course in the 70s so many people started using cbs um, and then eventually it was allowed in the UK that if you only have one channel where everyone speaks, it kind of gets crowded very easily, right? So yeah. if you have a hundred people or a thousand people and you're all waiting for your turn to speak, that's no fun. So it kind of got annoying. And what was interesting I found is it got really popular in the 70s because in 74 there was the oil crisis. So there was no gasoline in the States or anywhere. So truckers still had to do their runs. Um, the government changed the speed limit to 55 miles per hour max. So it was taking a lot longer to drive and people got bored. So they all invested in CBs to say, hey, there's a gas station 15 miles away that has cheaper gas than the one up here, up ahead. So it was kind of Good like a know. community okay. kind of cool thing. But uh, yeah, now I guess they just have TikTok. 
or something. <sighs> well, yeah, Twitter. I think that there's so much technology now Twitter, that like it truly yeah. is obsolete. You know, a CB radio. Yeah. The warmth of vinyl, man. <laughs> I don't know. That, that that comforting hiss in the background that lets you know it's a record. Oh, that's so nice yeah. and charming. Yeah. Anyway, so that's CBs. So back on the floor of Grace Brothers, um, sales are down. What Shocking. a surprise! Shocking. Right? Uh, and Mr. Grace wanted to do a television commercial, but obviously it was too expensive, so he was going to do a radio commercial instead. Um, yeah. In the middle of the think tank, Mr. Slocum jumps up and says, "Oh." I've got to ring my neighbor and ask her to look in on my pussy because she's been out at this party all night. And she has to say the word pussy. Right. We get a non sequitur pussy joke out of nowhere that doesn't really go anywhere. Oh, my gosh. Jeff doesn't like if it. If you hang on to your hats, unanimous, we do get a better one. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, Mr. Rumble is upset that nobody's really brought any good ideas and he bangs his fist on the table and the CB radio antenna goes up. Yeah, somehow right? it miraculously so turns prop. it on, which is like, okay. Right. It's better than the Pussy Boots point of sale, I suppose. Right. Yeah. And we get, um, we get a, a Scottish uh, gentleman on the phone, uh, on the phone, on the CB <laughs> radio, saying, uh, hello, this is Big... Oh, I, I can't do the Scottish. Do it, do it. Hello, this is Big Red, and I'm driving a 20-tonner down the north way. Uh, is Little Boy Blue receiving <laughs> me? And then Mr. Humphreys like terrible. lights up. Please do not send hate mail. Gorgeous. We have we had listeners it. in Scotland. <laughs> so, so authentic. Uh, ap- apologize to the people of Scotland. We yes, won't get yes. tweets. I. Um, so, did you just uh, say North- I? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I didn't think you did your practicing. You, you should just go watch Brigadoon like seven or eight times, and then we can try it yeah, again. Yeah, exactly. Or Outland. Um, the uh, the north he referenced the North Way, which is the A one highway that runs between London, Edinburgh, via Newcastle. So it's like the main That's highway. That's a long ass road. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, um, Mr. Humphrey's handle is Little Boy Blue, and this is someone that he struck up a conversation with before. Is this not like a super gay thing right now that he is doing? Like this is like Grinder in nineteen eighty three. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, let's just. I say mean, that. I okay. think trucker sex was like exactly what that was right isn't that <laughs> right well i mean it's interesting i i posted something on facebook um because we were recording this episode tonight and i looked up 1970s cb radio ads and they were all like scantily clad bosomy ladies with like g-strings on holding a cb microphone <laughs> right um <laughs> it, even then it had this like sex layer because people you know that is why the vcr was invented is because people wanted to watch porn at home so that right. whole technology was made because people were horny and people wanted to watch porn at home so, necessity is the mother of invention yeah man <laughs> so it, it's interesting cb does have this like Notor nefarious sort of like like you know expose my shoulder a little bit kind of it's thing. lonely on the open road yeah you know yeah so um interesting. so they all decide they all ask to take a turn um mr mr rumble comes up with a brilliant idea to do an uh ad on um on the cb radio right and he goes off to sell it to um uh to mr grace but back on the floor all the staff decide they want to have a turn <laughs> playing on the radio because they've never done it before yeah and I'll, I'll just show I, don't, I feel like i'm monopolizing about cb but i'm just obsessed slightly because of this episode if you think back then um no one had ever 
had a microphone in front of their face broadcasting their voice, right? We take it mm. for granted now with with podcasting. Um, and um, especially before uh, the pandemic, but like now we've all done Twitter, uh, what is it, Zoom and Skype and stuff. Like it's kind of become common common stuff. But back then, like the idea of being broadcast, I think must have been a real novelty. I think that would have been really... Yeah cool because the tv was a magic place and you never could get on well just it like and... when they were filming the commercial they had never a lot of people yeah. had never seen themselves on live camera before so i think it, yeah, you're right hearing your own voice unless you're playing a, a, along with a tape recorder at home but that's which technology did exist yeah. yeah that carried over for for several years i feel like even into even into my youth like you'd walk by the you know the technology department and they'd have a video camera set up and a tv and you'd get to see yourself on the tv and it was and you make funny faces yeah and and it was like thrilling because you're like i'm on tv but even though it was just a closed circuit thing right there in the store but still because you didn't get to do it all the time unless you were like a criminal you know on tv (laughs) but you on cops or something but you can't see like the, the 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 crew like Oh, I want to go. I want to try it, and like they don't even know who they're speaking to. But it's just like that, you know. it would have been very authentic. Yeah, that, yeah. I think it's kind of cool. Interested. I mean, I think if you were to pull it out today, you'd get arrested for pitching your one public, right? No. But if you were to if you were to pull a CB radio out today, oh, yes. okay. then yeah, you know, everyone would would want to take a turn. Yeah, I think it would still be a novel. It would be a novelty. Perhaps Miss Hurst could sell us one. <laughs> oh, and novelty CB radios. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Mrs. Slocum gets nice on and she speaks in her refined, posh accent. <laughs> breka, breka. <laughs> Is there anyone out Which there who it? wants to speak with someone in ear? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's interesting. I saw Breaker Breaker was actually a movie from 1977 with Chuck Norris. Mm. Um, they made movies about CB radios. Like, it was quite the weird little anecdotal It was popular, thing. yeah. yeah. It's kind of sad yeah. it's gone. Hmm. So, uh, Ms. Silkham comes across Big Jock Murdoch, uh, and they strike up a conversation, and he starts asking her, what's your chassis like and what's on the clock? And Ms. Trumphries has to translate. Oh, he's asking about your body and how old you are. And she goes, well, um, she she gives her vital statistics. Vital statistics. <laughs> As uh, 3823. 382838. Contravening the Trades Descriptions Act again. No, so good. Oh, he gets a bell. Esmeralda. Gladys. Gladys. (laughs) Gladys like that. Yeah. And Mr. Spooner interrupts in a very Mr. Lucas like manner, but the MOTs run out. So, MOT is Ministry of of Transport. So, it's your vehicle, vehicle inspection. That's his way of saying Mrs. Slocum is old. <laughs> and I thought this was great because I think this is the most Lucas-like that yeah. Mr. Spooner has been yeah. since he got on the show. Yeah, he it's has some okay lines in this episode. He does. I don't care for him particularly, though, I'll be honest. Yeah, Sorry. I don't think oh. anyone did. <laughs> but, you know, Mike Barry, we love you. Um, it's cool that he says, what's your chassis like and what's on the clock? So that goes back to this culture, really, of CV. I guess that's why I'm so fascinated by it. So because... I don't know if it's like a Cockney rhyming slang thing where you couldn't say the real thing because cops might be listening. So you have to change the way you say something and members of the community know what it really means. With CB radio, they had like code words. I wonder if there's like a a similar thing with CB culture because you couldn't say, how old are you and what do you look like? 
Because you'd be propositioning someone like Mr. Spooner almost got in trouble Right, for. and then, like, I think cops were probably listening, because anyone could listen to your conversation. That's about CB radio. Right. It's not private. I wonder, and that's another thing, like, truckers, CB radios, prostitution, like, that's, mm-hmm. I wonder if there's a connection there. It's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, definitely is. So there are, like, ten things. Like, I, I googled CB magazine vintage, and there's, like, all of these things, and there's, they explain to you what the what the phrases really mean. So like, Oh, excellent. Yeah. That was like Mr. Humphrey's like, Oh, that means what do you look like? How old are you? Mm-hmm. Right. So there's that kind of hip, the non hip outer community, learning with the hip inner community, like the jargon, which, right. which happens. So yeah. for bonus points, do you know who she actually is speaking with on the CB radio? Who that actor is? <gasps> no. Oh, we didn't reference who the actor is. Did you do it? So unless who I'm very it? much mistaken, that's Robbie Coltrane, who goes on to play Hagrid in the Harry Potter movies. No. Okay, tell us how you know this. Hang Where, on who, a second. So I, I feel like I Googled it. No, please do check it. I would have done it, but I, I only have so much technology here, and it's all committed, so I couldn't Google as well. <laughs> I feel like... Um, I, you know, I was interested in the voice and I watched the credits and saw his name and I Googled it. I believe it is. I could be wrong. Oh my God. He, he, he is credited. Yeah, he is credited and it is Robbie Coltrane. You get did three go watch play Oh my gosh. You were a super duper fan. Now that's like, that I Googled that one a long time ago. Well, he just has such a distinctive voice, right? And I, and, and he, the voiceover that he does in this episode is quite good and kind of sounds a little bit like Hagrid, right? So I just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was uh, Mr. Mr. Almond. I thought it was that actor, like, all, no, well, all it's stage. remarkable, though, isn't it? Because he's got such, like, a, a deep timbre to his voice, and I don't know how old he could possibly have been because he's not geriatric now, you know? Yeah, must have and, been a young guy. Yeah. So. Well, that's the first Harry Potter connection, right? I mean, I think it might. It be. would have to be in the '80s because we're we're, uh, you know. No, I think uh-oh. we did have someone else. I feel like we've talked about someone who, like, one of the other guest stars went on to have a bit part in one of the movies. I think. Interesting. Oh. The Harry Potter people are so excited right now. Right, it's a neat little bit of trivia. I'm going to go uh, to our archivist department upstairs in our compound in northern Mississippi and find what we can talk about. Yes. Can you so, just send him um, a staff to do that? Can you just send someone? <laughs> he just sent one of those pneumatic post things from the oh. bank. You know, he wrote down on a slip of paper and sent it up the tube. It just a, <laughs> sucked it right up. In September, when the, school, when the kids are back in session, then we'll get our interns. Excellent. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> In the erotic dreams of Mrs. Slocum, remember there was that little person who came in and mimed the entire conversation with her? He went on to be a a goblin in the Harry Ah. Potter films. So I know this is not the first time, but I think this is the first true, real... Like, actual cast member, yeah. Cast member, yeah. Well, that's cool. Good for you. I did not even... Yeah, good picking up on that. Yeah, I'm not a Potter person. I'm I'm horrible, but... Hmm. I should be. I know. I know. Save your. Well, I don't know. Toilet. I liked it a lot more before uh, before J.K. Rowling, Rowling went like on transphobic. her. I know she's a yeah. nightmare. Yeah. Oh well. Well, she well she needs her own podcast, and we won't talk about her. So. She needs her yeah. own podcast <laughs> that I won't listen to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, Big Jock Murdoch is asking uh, about Mrs. Slocum because he's interested in this woman who is supposedly thirty eight, twenty eight, thirty eight. And she says, well, her age is a secret, but it's under the speed limit. <laughs> Was that on the open road or in a built-up area? 
<laughs> Which, so, yeah, go explain that because in the UK that doesn't it, it doesn't translate very well. Right. So open road on the highway, the speed limit is seventy, but in a built-up area in the city in a town, the speed limit is thirty. Right. So, like, are you seventy or are you thirty? <laughs> right. Make, great joke about our age that the audience and everyone laughs at. Yeah. Um, the UK still uses miles per hour when it comes to driving speed measurements as, as well as miles for distance on the road. And I thought that was unusual because I thought most things had switched over to metric. I know we talked about pints of milk and pints of beer still being an imperial, but I had completely forgotten about miles per hour. Yeah, and I mean, they use, they use grams for food. I'm just trying to think, like, how do we use metric miles, like food stuff? Right, distance. We meters. use metric for liters of soda, and that's it. Yeah, but that, I think that's the only imperial thing they got. They use right miles. I don't think you miles, milk, and beer, and weight because they talk about stone. Uh, stone is so confusing. Sorry, right, you. But it's based on pounds. Yeah. Right, a stone is fourteen pounds or eighteen pounds. I don't know. I don't know. Somewhere. I was always too mm-hmm. much, so I never really paid attention. I know a fortnight is two weeks. <laughs> yep. Ding! Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mrs. Silkham starts talking about her hobbies, uh, which do not seem like the hobbies of a thirty-year-old. Yeah. That she's into <laughs> making marmalade. Oh, I. And, meeting, and making marmalade. Oh, oh I. I. Marmalade, I. <laughs> Um, he's such a nice then, like listening person he's like oh that's he's so happy Tell with all of her answers jam. he's like gosh this is dream right. woman <laughs> she's so interesting marry me and she she starts talking about tittles up on my mantelpiece i've got silver cups for my pussy every it wins a prize every time i show it <laughs> and over the cb radio we hear a car crash <laughs> because he's probably just had a climax while he's driving his oh, car oh my god lost gosh. control and crossed and crashed the lorry right <sighs> and i love that um he he said uh oh mr humphrey says oh that was my friend he drives a 20 ton articulated lorry and then miss brahm says oh i thought he spoke well <laughs> <laughs> Because she is so such cute. an arbiter of language, right? Yeah, and he doesn't speak well. He speaks just quite normal. But uh, for her to say, oh, well, I thought she spoke well, so. which is cute. Right. A misunderstanding the articulation right. of the truck to be the articulation. Yeah. 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 Um, we cut down to the canteen, and the, um, the costuming department gets a big round of applause for me because <laughs> they paid attention to continuity. Oh, he loves that, doesn't he, unanimous, Mr. Jeff? Mrs. Slocum couldn't go home last night, so at the very beginning of the episode, she was asking to go change into a spare uniform from stock. And in the canteen, we see that she's not wearing her frills, she's not wearing her brown whisket, <laughs> because she's had to borrow something from stock. She's got this ugly cream bow tie on, and just a very plain blouse. But it makes you happy because if she had her frills, you would have been calling right. it out sassily right now. <laughs> right. So Jeff is happy. That's good. It's remarkable, yes. though, that like Mr. Granger went so far as to have extra teeth in his drawer and she hasn't got like an extra frill <laughs> in her. Extra set of frills, She's right? got a pork pie. You know, it's funny you say that, Jeff, because I noticed that Mr. Humphreys was wearing a suit that looked unlike his normal attire. And that's there exactly it is right. why. Interesting. Yep. There you go. Okay. So they're sitting around talking about what kind of thing they're going to do for the CB radio commercial. Uh, Mr. Harmon says that there's a rumor in packing that they'll do a Mrs. Dale's diary to attract attention 
and then stick in the ass. I have no idea. I think what we've that means. talked about. Have we talked about Mrs. Dale's diary before? What is it? Maybe when I, when I heard the <laughs> right. reference, I, I thought it was. It's the first BBC radio serial drama, and it ran from 1948 to 1969. But what it's most known for is the first piece of. Uh, media uh, in the UK to depict homosexuality in a sympathetic light. Oh, yeah. Oh. This was a radio show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, we did mention it. Um, I don't remember which episode. But then we talked about Coronation Street in the 80s. They had like a gay couple. Yeah. I think. Yeah. There was probably some other reference to Mrs. Dale's diary in this show. At some I point. think, though, it'd be because of Mr. Humphreys and I'm sure if they had like the first gay couple that wasn't seen as like horrible... That would have been like definitely associated with Mr. Humphrey, so the audience would have known. Yeah. Oh, that's like kind of a gay thing yeah. at the time. Mm. Oops. So there's there, uh, Mr. Harvey Gladys wants agrees. to get in on the deal um, because they're all they're going to get paid ten pounds per episode. Oh boy! And he knows that he could tell some stories that would be really interesting for the listeners, such as one certain um, floor walker being trapped in the lift with Miss Johnson from Novelty Candles. Mm. Now, I know you guys speculate a lot about what novelty candles might be, and I just I just want to put out there that when I was growing up, my parents had a candle in the shape of a cocker spaniel that sat on a table in our entryway, and that is what I always think of whenever anybody says novelty candles. I think of, like, that little dog-shaped candle. I, I just imagine, like, the department would be all these little fun-shaped candles to give his gifts. That's what I... Yeah, I, th- yeah. I picture, like, this weird, like, kind of, like, a dark corner of, like, the leftover space on the floor... And they put, like, these weird, like, um, a pumpkin candle and then, like, a banana candle. Right, right. A cocker spaniel <laughs> right. candle. Something like. that Lucille Ball might eat in one of the not-as-wonderful episodes of I Love Lucy because she was so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that one with the bowl of wax fruit and she gets the apple yes. stuck in her mouth? She looks like a pig. Yep. Oh, yep. my God. So, picking up on what Miss Brom said earlier about um, the articulated lawyer driver, mm. we start to get a little bit of our classist humor. Right? We revisit that whole dinner-lunch joke uh-huh. and that, you know, Miss Brahms is not posh, she's very common. And then um, she goes on a little bit of a tirade. Uh-oh. That, you know, if England is so great, how come we've got strikes and inflation and, it always and rain rains. all the time? <laughs> <laughs> right? And I think that Captain Peacock has a great rebuttal here. It's the one great country that isn't semi-detached, right? Snap. Because it's an island. Yes. It's an island country totally that doesn't detached. share a border with anyone else besides the Republic of Ireland, which they're, you know, closely related to. Right? Very clever. The staff start to split apart because they can't agree on what kind of story to tell. So they all take their dinner to their own table and decide to work on the stories themselves. Except for Mrs. Slocum, um, who delivers one of my favorite Mrs. Slocumisms of the entire series when she says, uh, you know, if we're not all going to go work together, then I'm going to go to the ladies' room and have a bit of a cogitate. Cogitate? <laughs> I had to look it up. I didn't know what that word meant. I just, it tickles me so much. Because she, the way that, I'm going to go to the ladies' room and have a cogitate. Just the delivery is just gorgeous. Yeah. That, that is great, gorgeous great delivery. That one. Right. Um, <laughs> Mr. Rumbold reveals that Miss Belfridge will be making the decision because she has an O-level in literature. Oh, Candy um, Davis, who sadly passed away. Right. So um, O-level was a high school qualification uh, that was around until the early 90s. Uh, you know, basically for the Americans that don't know, in the British educational system, 
you're required to go to school, uh, to secondary school until age 16, and then you can study for two or three years at college before you go away to university. And when you're at college, you can choose subjects to take a test in at the end of your two or three years. And if you um, pass you know, with a very high mark, you get what's called an O level. And that is like a qualification in a certain subject, which will allow you to then go on and study that subject at university or perhaps get a related job. Like, you know, if you had an O level in language or literature, you could probably get a job as a proofreader at a newspaper or a, a typeset or something like that right out of um, college at age 18 or 19. Yeah, it's hard to d- kind of translate into American, isn't it? Um, it's almost like... It's huh? like it's almost like community college. It's yeah. almost like an associate's degree. I think, yeah, exactly. I think it's almost like uh, junior high is just like we have here. But then for high school... Um, I know it was like this. I think it's changed, but you could go to like a trade school kind of thing where you learn like uh, a, a trade, a vocation, vocation, yeah. uh, or you could go to like what they call college, um, where it's very like specific for subjects and stuff. And then it's almost like you get an associate's degree, sort of, uh, yeah. and then you use that to get into university. Which is why when we say college, they get all full mixed because it's different. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Why don't we go on down to the um, canteen and see if we can have any of that uh, jelly left over from last Yes, week. Mr. Jeffrey, um, it's best if you know and place an order before you get there because if the canteen manager is angry, it takes forever. Do you have an idea <clears throat> of what you want to order so we can put it in the pneumatic tube ordering system we have here at the compound? I have been thinking about it all day. I am so hungry, and I have just been so thrilled to get to that fabulous canteen and order my roll mop herring. Ooh, <laughs> lovely. Okay, well, write that down, Jeff, and send it on up the tube, will you? We will be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. And hey, we're back from the uh, canteen from here at the compound. Um, Jeffrey and Jeff, what did you guys have? I did go ahead and take the plunge and have the Roma pairing. It was delicious, but in all fairness, it came out of a jar and was not prepared by the manageress. I should cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> you had you had hot cocoa. You said no. I'm given a little bit of Cockney rhyming slang there. A little bit of a preview to what uh, Mrs. Silkham says a little bit later. 
Ah, very nice. I had de blumange just because I like saying it. Blumange. Do kids please. still like blumange at parties? Oh, no, they want the no, savories. they like smoked salmon and savories. It's <laughs> yeah, a bunch of nerds over here. So, yeah, anyhow, I know. Um, what were what were your impressions of the canteen? We we modeled it exactly off the show here at the compound. What did you think? Uh, I couldn't believe, uh, well, the attention to detail. I mean, the low-quality furniture was just <laughs> phenomenal. And we only have three walls. We, we were very, very specific. We want exactly no, I, like yeah, the I enjoy, I enjoy that. Yeah. yeah. So there you, I'm glad yeah. you liked it. No, it was fun. I don't. Can you explain to me why you have those stupid plastic bell peppers on the table, though? Is that a tomato? What is it? Why is that on the it's table? It's to bring a bit of frivolity to the... Oh, angle. I see. It's actually to, to masquerade the brown sauce inside. Yes. Oh, is the brown sauce? So- okay, well, see, and I was looking for the brown sauce. If I had only known, I should have looked in the tomato. <laughs> oh, well, I like a lot of sauce. Oh, well. <laughs> okay, let's stop quoting and get to the show. Right. We could just, we could just quote for an hour, unanimous. You All know day. you'd like it. You probably want to join in. That's, a, that's another podcast idea where we just sit around and quote. I think that's what we've been doing for the past <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that's what <laughs> right. By the way, this is a very quotable episode, don't you think? It is. Break it out, is break out. Oh, terrific dialogue. I, I wanted to say in the very beginning when uh, Mr. Rumbold says, well, what's the point of coming in early if you don't have any ideas? And Mrs. Slocum looks at him and goes, you did. <laughs> yes. So good. So many great one-liners in this one. So the staffer called into Mr. Rumble's office uh, as Mrs. as Miss Belfort has made her decision, and they do a rundown of everyone's um, stories that they wrote. Uh, Spooner wrote a science fiction with a very far fetched plot. Uh, Miss Brums didn't submit hers, but she has it stuffed in her brassiere. <laughs> it's about a common girl who was rejected by her suitor, it wins the pools, and then ruins him in the stock market. And she gets dismissed for being uh, too fanciful. And, of course, the pools, because, again, it's a weird thing. The pools stands for the, lo- the Liverpool Lottery, but they call it the pool. So basically pools, like the National right. Lottery, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Slocum wrote something called Continental Journey about a <laughs> housewife who takes up trucking to augment her income. Uh, but um, they feel that the heroine needs to be at least 30 years younger. I mean, she takes an herbal bath on every single page. <laughs> every page. Right. My word. So, well, but they, they like the older women these days. You know, like that, like that Joan Collins on the dynasty. On the dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't understand. Herbal baths. I, I picture like, uh, you know, wicker, wicker baskets and lovely country girls. And, but Epsom salts. Oh, is that I'm thinking that like Florida water or something, you know? Yeah, that like me too, that, but like... Like a very light cologne poured into the bath that they used to do. I yeah. will have you know that I literally did pour Florida water into my bath last week, and it was lovely. <laughs> I do enjoy Florida water. That's the, Those were Lucille Ball's last words, get me hand my Florida me my, water. Uh, yes, hand me my, my Florida water, and then... <sighs> and that's it. Poor sad. Mm. You really shouldn't use it. I mean, that should have scared everybody off. It Florida. killed her. <laughs> Florida water stock tanked the next day. Right. It's kind of a weird thing to have a last word for a celebrity. Hand me my Florida water. Right, especially like such a prolific comedian that like everybody knew for being so witty and fantastic. I and know, her last right. words were about this like cheap drugstore cologne. Yeah. Oh, well. Mr. Humphrey's story gets, gets a lot of praise. You know, what imagination... What ingenuity? Well, what's with all that blue pencil on the page? Uh, it turns out that he wrote a lot of things that couldn't be said on CB radio. 
uh, story about Nelly the Naughty Nun. So we can only imagine, you know, what kind of a turn it took. Um, Captain Peacock wrote a great erudite story about army life, but it turns out he just copied T.A. Lo- T. Lawrence verbatim <laughs> and changed it to Peacock of Arabia. Which wasn't quite enough in the end. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, boy, erudite. It sounds like a, a little prehistoric fossilized creature, an erudite. Right? <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Thank you. It's interesting, too, isn't it, that uh, they've chosen to give uh, Miss Belfridge this background in literature. And as we all, I don't know if you guys knew for a long time, but as I recently discovered, Candy Davis, you know, had this background in writing. And I wonder if it's a little bit of the Mo art, Hader. you know, uh, holding the mirror up to like, I wonder if like she had input on that, you know? Yeah. If it's art imitating life or the other way around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting about... Um, how Candy Davis, you know, that was her screen name, and she had so many different names, but the woman, um, she was beautiful. I mean, I think we all agree on that, especially... Oh, yeah, this, gorgeous. I have to apologize to the lovely straight guy who wanted to be on the episode <laughs> as the co-host. The when one we had, straight lister we have. Uh, hello, Mr. Straight Guy. Um, love our straight people, our token straight folks, but um, he wanted to be on the episode to say, like, man, I went, like, the first episode with Candy Davis say like oh my god she's so beautiful and when i was a kid like you thought she was so pretty and we just flew right past it so again sorry for that but it was interesting how like i learned about her career and like we said at the beginning of the episode she really distanced herself because she was like a topless model in the newspapers in the uk and i um you know it's it's interesting how so many people think of her like on the facebook are you being served groups they'll post a photo of her like posing in a bikini and everyone's like oh she's so hot but you know that was one probably one year two year span of her life and decades went by and maybe kind of uh, foreshadowed in this episode she became quite the literary person so yeah yeah pretty cool i kind of want to read one of her books apparently they're quite gory and very like bloody and murder and corpses and it's almost like halloweeny kind of like Elvira-esque stuff. But apparently, like, it's really, really good. But I would have to hold my my Paddington bear the whole time reading. The whole <laughs> time. Mm. Turns out that Mr. Harmon wins the competition in the end. Uh, but uh, Mr. Rumble wants them all to star in it, and they refuse until they learn there's 100 pounds in it, right? Because they'll <laughs> do anything for the money, right? And then we get a cute little callback that's also foreshadowing, which is essential to the plot later. The costume department ring on the telephone, and they want their punk outfits back, the ones that Mr. Humphreys and Mrs. Silicon had borrowed uh, for the fancy dress party last night. So they're handing out the parts, and um, Captain Peacock is going to play the squire, who's keen on the wenches. And in his audition, he gives a bit of an Irish accent, which was a surprising... I thought uh, that, it was the West Country. I think that's more around Bristol because then he said something like, "We could put a parrot on him and he could be a pirate," which is where pirates I, came from. From uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it didn't sound like a Somerset accent though. It sounded very, very Irish because later on he chooses to do a Somerset. They all decide to go or 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 the Somerset <laughs> accent, right? Yeah. Um, Mrs. Silkman is playing Little Nell, the innocent country girl, playing against type. Mm. Um, Brahms is playing Busty Sal, the barmaid at the Golden Pot. Uh, and Mr. Spooner is playing Jim, who is the hero. And he's the one, ooh, ar, ooh, ar, ooh, ar, with that ooh, nice, ar, ooh, ar, ooh, ar. 
um, uh, Somerset accent. Uh, it's set, uh, and Mr. Harmon is on Foley, like doing all the sound effects, right? So Which get, is the funniest part of the episode for me. Right, is, do, is, seeing, is seeing visually what he's doing to replicate all those sounds, right? I feel like that's a device that's been used before on, well, of course, it, it must surely have been, but it's entertaining every time I see it. There's just something about the sound, being able to watch them make the sounds that you hear on the radio. It's interesting and it's always funny. I've never not been entertained any time that's been done on a show. I hear you, I hear you, Mr. Jeffrey. Like, I think anything that's showed within a show that's a peek behind the black curtain is fascinating to watch. And especially yeah, Foley artists because, you know, they make, you know, crumpling newspaper and all of a sudden it's a tornado. Yeah, they used to do a really fun little mini film that you would see before the actual show started when you would go to the movie theater and they would show like, you know, the making uh, of they'd be fighting and then somebody would take a big, what are they called? A head of celery? What do you call that? Like a yep. big thing. And, you know, they'd smash that to simulate the sound. Oh, of, and it like, sounds like a body being part punched or something. or something. Yeah, it was just the most interesting stuff. Gross. Yeah. I'll never eat celery again. <laughs> Jim and little Nell are flirting. And uh, Mrs. Slocum is reading her script and turning the pages. And she says, let me hold you in my arms. Turns the page. Haven't you got a whopper? (laughs) (laughs) And that is the most scandalous inducing word in 1983 England. It got a huge laugh from the audience, right? (laughs) Because if we remember back to the uh, episode with the holdup, they also had that use... uh, Hello, Mada. Hello, Hello, Mada. We've got a whopper, right. We've got a whopper. Yeah. <laughs> um, Peacock, in his somewhat posh, somewhat Somerset voice, is saying all the things you say on a hunt. Tally-ho and view halloo. <laughs> Tally-ho and That's, view halloo. In order to code just over that, and over. <laughs> right. In order to code that he is hunting, right? I have no idea what view halloo is. And I will say, my good friend Jimmy, who he and I will, like, quote, are being served to each other all the time, like you all do with your friends unanimous. Yep. Don't act like I'm the weirdo. But we will say, when we call each other, instead of saying hello, we say view halloo and tally-ho, <laughs> which is cute. So what does tally-ho mean, do you know? So those are two things that you say when you see the fox, when you spot the fox, right? Tally-ho, and then the response is view halloo. I've already seen it, right? So, oh. yeah, so it, they come from French, right? So, ta is what you would, the noise you would make when you're prodding an animal along. So, I think, like, an okay. English would say hup, or, hup, hup, hup. you know, trying to get okay. the animal to go. Yeah. And then, ho is the word for halt. So, that became, that became tally-ho in English. And then, view, like, the French word view, like, seen. Okay. Is, is the response to that. Oh, yeah. So it's like an anglis- anglicized version of French words that farmers would use. That farmers or hunters would use. Or hun- yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I learned something. And so next we get all the sight gags with Harmon <laughs> on the Foley artist, right? He mimics the kiss between them with a plunger. <laughs> He's um, using a mop squeegee instead to make the, the, the noise because apparently the plunger was too... Uh, the sound was too vulgar, right? Um, the, yeah. the boots in the mud is also a little bit vulgar when you think of what else it could sound like. Right, this horrible squelching. You know what's so, what's so funny about it for me is that he has the, like, the headphones on, so he's deaf. He can't hear anything else because he's you know focused on making the sounds for the recording. And 
everyone else is so disgusted yeah. by them that they all just watch and he doesn't know to stop. So he keeps doing it and doing it and doing it. And it's just everyone's turned to the left to watch him. And he just like when he's pouring the water for the pint and it's like a, a uh, what is it? Like a, a watering can without with the sprayer off. And it just makes the like the wiggly right. sound of the water coming down and it sounds like someone urinating. And he's so oddly <laughs> earnest, right? Yes, like that's what's he's so like funny. so into it. He just wants to do a good job. Right. Like when they yell at him, he's all like surprised and jumps because he was just so focused on his very important task. Yeah. And what I also love is when Miss Miss uh yeah. Mrs. Slocum is kissing the, the young guy played by um Mike Barry, right? So in the script, he picks her up and places her in the hay. <laughs> so then he, so yeah, so he got like an entire bale oh, of hay and throws it on the ground. And it's like this, so, boom. so of course you picture yeah. um, Mr. Spooner picking Mrs. Slocum up, even though it's like not supposed to be them, but that's what I picture. I picture her like falling in this barn with all this hay. <laughs> it's so stupid. I love it. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. We get, we also get the wonderful Are You Being Served trope oh, of cries, Mr. Yeah. Humphreys, the frustrated director. Cut. Right. Ye- yelling cut and like bursting into tears. <laughs> right. The no- one of the noises you just referenced, mm. uh, Mr. Brandon, about uh, pulling the pint from the watering right. can. Oh, I bet you were dying for that, Squire. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, it makes everyone have to go to the loo, and Mrs. Slocum and Miss Humphreys ask for a break, but Mr. Harmon oh. reveals that they're not recording, that they're live. So all of their bloopers and all of their vulgar sounds have been broadcast oh, over CB boy. radio to the entire world that's listening. And they haven't the even gotten reason. to the commercial yet. They haven't even gotten to talk about... The whole reason about what's on sale is peas are down, bong. But, but that's weird, so, isn't it? Like, given what's about to happen, like, how would anybody know where to go or why or... Yeah, it was a little bit weird. I think Mr. Humphreys might have said Grace Brothers oh, in the Oh, in the, the very beginning. beginning, I think you're right. It must have been... Grace Brothers yep. in the high street. Yep. But which one? There are Grace Brothers in all Bristol up. City, There's you Grace might Brothers say. in Bristol, for God's well, sake. Well, ultimately, I suppose they don't care, right? It's profit's profit. <laughs> Yeah. I guess not. Yeah, profit's profit, right? So, Rumbold comes marching in. I've just had a call from Mary Whitehouse, and she's very upset. And that got a big laugh from the audience as well. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know who this was, but I, I looked it up. So, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so Mary Whitehouse is the founder of National Viewers and Listeners Association. Uh, and she basically sought to um, censor and put labels on records and TV programs so that parents would know what their children were listening to. In the United States, we had Tipper Gore, wife of Al Gore, do the same exact thing. You know, she founded the Parents Music Resource Center in 1985 because her daughter was listening to Darley Nikki by Prince, which is a very, very um, suggestive, let's say, song. Yeah, we're, we're marked as explicit, so we can say... <laughs> we're marked as fucking explicit, so we can say <laughs> words... Yes, but, but one does strive to be tastefully explicit. Well, Le Fouquet, I don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> Le Fouquet. Yeah. Le Fouquet. Mm, no. <laughs> yeah. but anyway, um, 
But yeah, because but, but we're not broadcast. These are like silly little audio files that people download off a computer. I guess it's different when you broadcast something over the air and it's know, regulated. It's, it's different, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> report from the street is that drivers are fighting to get into the building, and so they're scared that um, these rough truck drivers are going to knock over the displays. They're going to break things. So Mr. Humphreys and Ms. Silkham decide to, they're going to go fix it. They go off screen for a minute. Um, Mr. Rumble gets a phone call from the boardroom level. Everybody look up at the boardroom. <laughs> and Mr. Grace loves it, right? Keep in mind that we don't have a Mr. Grace anymore. There is no actor on the show that's playing it, but we get this silent off-screen telephone call. Yeah. And he can't wait for episode two. Humphreys and Slocum come back in their punk outfits, ready to like play the bouncer. Right, you, hear the rules, no aggro, you're going to get thrown out. And the two truck drivers take offense to this. Not quite the establishment I thought it was, Barnabas. Well, you're quite Roger, right, Roger, let's go over to Harrods. Mm. And then they're chasing them. No, come back, we want no, you wait. to spend the money here. Barnabas. Barnabas. <laughs> yeah. That is not a traditional truck driver name. Not like no. Jack. Or, no, and that, uh, yeah, that's what was fun. It was like such a such a surprise that they would have a been cultured and b been named Barnabas and Roger, right? But it's 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 kind of sh- I mean it, it's shitty in one way because because if you're a truck driver, you've got to be rough and and you know loose and and like a bull in a china shop. So it, for some reason, they think the kind of raunchy show they accidentally broadcast is going to attract these people. The so the people crowd. come the and they're like, oh, people, this yeah. is not a nice shop. They're really mean and aggressive to us. Let's go to Herod instead. Right, you know? where they treat us like gentlemen. Yes, <laughs> yes. And that's your episode. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> a lot kind of happened in this episode. This was a lot, yeah. Mr. Jeffrey, what's your take? So this is one of my favorite episodes. Um... And again, just for for all the reasons that we talked about, there's a lot of really great dialogue in this. Um, Everybody gets an opportunity to kind of show off their other acting skills as well. Mm -hmm. I love it when the actors get the opportunity to do other voices. And Mm, and we talk about that on the show a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting to watch, and I'm sure it's it's much more engaging for them to play the role to get to do something a little bit different at the time. but it, there's just so many different things going on. Like, I love that we get the fun canteen time. I love that we get a fun, pointless morning meeting that is always complained about. <laughs> I love we you have know. a pointless morning meeting. That's funny. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what they all are, right? They always yeah. get there early, and absolutely nothing gets accomplished until Mr. Rumbled hears somebody say something that he thinks is a good idea that he'll promptly take all the credit for. Exactly, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just... It, I think I like it so much because we're getting kind of far down the line at this point but this is still such a wonderfully entertaining episode like i don't think i didn't watch it on pbs like you guys did my first experience with it was renting the dvds from the library somebody recommended it to me because they knew i was a fan of british oh well that's the first interesting yeah so i was watching you know the full episodes from like i just binged it like you'd binge any other show um but i don't think if you were to show it to like a new viewer they would obviously recognize that there'd been a little bit of turnover in the cast and the people had aged, but I don't think they'd say like, oh, well, you know, the, clearly the heyday has passed. You know, this is still a really, really good episode, but That's it's a very late good point. in the chronology. Yeah. I completely agree. I think that this is the, the highlight of season nine. Um, I think it's because we get 
the we get a lot of the Spooner Slocum interaction that we used to get with Lucas and Slocum, right? Um, we get all of the things you just mentioned. We get a costume change. We get <laughs> yeah. um, Captain Peacock being classist and and haughty. Um, I think I think it's just great. And you know, I think the hallmark of why it's why I have come to the conclusion it's so great is because it made me laugh unexpectedly. You know, the, I, I remember the entire plot, and for most of the episodes, I remember when the big jokes are, and I'm expecting them. Yeah, I think there were a lot of good unexpected laughs in this episode. I think the um, Mr. Harmon's Foley artistry—it's <laughs> ridiculous. I, I I've been watching uh, Benidorm recently. Um, if you've not seen it, Mr. Jo- Mr. Jeffrey, you guys you totally to got see. me into it. I've watched the whole thing <gasps> start to finish. I couldn't nice. help I'm myself. I'm so happy to hear that. But what I, I love about that show, and um, it's just stupid jokes. You know, the whole premise is stupid. Like, there's some person who's just an idiot, and they say something just ridiculous. And as I'm, ga- like, cackling, I'm saying the word, that's so stupid. And it is so stupid. And that's what yeah. that kind of comedy I love. It's just ridiculous. And all of Harmon's stuff, when he's, like, throwing the bale of hay, and you picture Miss Slocum, Mrs. Slocum, like, being thrown against the barn... You know, that stuff is just ridiculous. And the fact that he can't hear them and um, the the complete audacity of the entire situation is what the comedy that I love. So, you yeah. know, for everything you guys said, I completely agree. Um, are you being served? Can do no wrong. So there, that's, that's the last <laughs> yeah. word. So, Mr. Jeffrey, you say that you, you weren't watching this on PBS when you were a kid. So what was your entree into Anglophilia? That, what, uh, what were you watching before this as a child? And what cream did you get prescribed for that? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I watched uh, Monty Python. I went through all the Monty Python movies, okay. and I watched, um, in those days, of course, they were VHSs of the mm. old TV show. Um, and so that was, like, what really started just being interested in, like, I always found the British accent just to be terribly amusing. You know, it just tickled me when I was a little boy and Monty Python was what my parents had in the house because they watched it. So that's what I watched. Yeah. And then I guess, and then I started watching Absolutely Fabulous when I was in middle school. Oh, okay. Early. It imprinted yeah. in you on, in your life in ways you did not expect. Well, yeah. I mean, it was on Comedy Central and Comedy Central had a lot of great programming in those days. Yeah. There was stuff yeah. from, you know, across the ocean, obviously, but there was... Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah, the old Whose Line Is It Anyway was fantastic. I used to love Clive, and um, and they were, were, you know, just a bunch of really wonderful stand-up specials, too, and... um, But yeah, Absolutely Fabulous definitely got me into British TV, I would say. Um, Mm. And then after that, you know, I I watched um, all of the French and Saunders, and then I... And then uh, I don't... I guess it was an ex-boyfriend who was surprised. I think he, and he lived in Arkansas, and I think that's a very common experience, I guess, in Arkansas to watch Are You Being Served on PBS when you're growing up. Um, Apparently he so. Did, and he recommended <laughs> it, and, uh, and so I watched it, and he was absolutely right. I loved it. He actually doesn't like it as much as I do and became promptly quite irritated with how often I'd be watching it because that, <laughs> that theme song is an earworm. It gets in there, yep. and yeah. That's true. It so. is. Well, fabulous. Well, hey, thanks for, um, you know, I'm, we're glad you were in the Mid-South area in northern Mississippi. Uh, yeah, just passing to... through. Once we get the shtetl up, I'm out of town. We're not you know, be done. Yeah. <laughs> if I find a nice mensch walking around I-40, I will, I will send him your way. 
If he's walking around I forty, you can keep him to yourself. That's yeah. okay. Well, maybe maybe it's Shabbos and he has to walk. Okay, all right, fine. <laughs> there we go. Good point, Mr. Brandon. What are we talking about next week? Well, let's see. Next week, we're watching Monkey Business. <laughs> we're doing Monkey. It's the one with the stupid monkey. Oh, oh. That's all I'm going to say about it. That's all I'm going to say about it. That's the um, whole podcast. Next week, you're going to tune in, and it's the one with the monkey. It's the one with the monkey. Damn it, that monkey. Wish you could see the face I'm giving right now. But, yeah, uh, some of the plot devices are, are a skosh more contrived than the others, and uh, the monkey. That sounds hideous! <laughs> okay, you know, no, I'm going to be good. I'm going to. Okay, so it's the one with the monkey where the staff go to uh, 10 Downing Street. Okay, no. I take it back. Uh, it's the one with the monkey. Oh, that's actually pretty fun. But you get to go to 10 Downing Street and you see everyone dressed up and you get the yeah. one where they the phone rings and they're like, oh, should we answer it? And is it who? like, is it Khrushchev? What film is was it like, she who is in? it? <laughs> so that's good. But there's a monkey and it's stupid. I think it's like the episode, like every TV show has an episode where there's just, it's stupid. With a monkey, with a loose animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like someone dressed up as a giraffe. I don't know. It's just Why stupid. do you suppose Mrs. Slocum couldn't say Ronald Reagan? I mean, it was clear that she was like forbidden from doing so because she went just as very far as she could without actually saying, I mean, she, was, she mouthed she it and almost it, whispered she? it, but yeah. she can't actually say it's Ronald Reagan on the phone, which is so weird to me because like, yeah, he was the president, but he was also an actor. Like, can't you just say right. Ronald Reagan you say that because <laughs> remember the episode um we talked about it with I'm trying to remember Mr. Humph oh no Mr. Goldberg was able to get, do job placements for people and he yeah. got a, his a, a fabulous gold watch oh he got the from, watch Ron and Nancy from, yeah mm-hmm. well he also helped this woman get her job and then uh, Mr. Man. Humphrey oh, says, right. you mean, and he yeah. does the thing around his head, like doing her hair, Margaret Thatcher. And they didn't mm-hmm. say Margaret Thatcher either. Yeah, I wonder if it's just like, you know, classic British discretion or if there's a different policy if regarding... It's like a libel law. Yeah, mentioning a real person and, I, yeah. Yeah, I know that the BBC is... There were a lot of rules about what you could... I mean, they banned a Beatles song because they said the word turn you on. So I wondered if they were just, like, super, super... Like, A Day in the Life by the Beatles was banned by the BBC, and it was never played until the late 80s or something like that because it was sex. Oh, my God. They're just so so pearl-clutchy over there. That's that's the best way to say it, really. They're just clutching their pearls. Unanimous, if you've got an opinion on uh, Ronald seeing Ronald Reagan on live air or <laughs> monkeys running about the store. Too little. If you've got anything else to tell us, please get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter or write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com or call us on the Peacock hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That is 662-732-2625. And Mr. Jeffrey, thank you for joining us on the fabulous podcast. You've, you've done well. Oh, thank you. It was my pleasure. Anytime, fellas. And with that unanimous, you've all done, done very, very well. That does suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? CB operators may not attach external power amplifiers to certified CB transmitters in any way.